I went down to the river to watch the fish swim by. But I got to the river so lonesome I wanted to die. Oh, Lord. And then I jumped in the river, but the doggone river was dry. She's long gone and now I'm lonesome blue. Okay, welcome back, or welcome to episode four of a podcast I'm calling Long Gone. My name's Ryan Hetzer. Uh, I believe if you listening to this and you decide to click on it and listen, it should take you to a page where previous episodes are also available. Um, Really new to the whole thing. I'm using a site that is uh, non-pay and it doesn't have, I think, all the bells and whistles that other podcasters may have. I don't have a lot of good editing equipment. I, um, in fact, I tested the sound on this, and it sounds a bit echoey, I'm in a scenario or in a place where I may also get interrupted. Uh, so as we go along, if I have to pause the audio and pick it back up, I guess I'll just uh, do my best and um, let you know if that happens and why it might sound a bit uh, halted at some point. Um, well, that long gone song, uh, could be fitting, uh, especially if we apply it to the Chicago Cubs. A uh, quick couple words on recent events before I move into the main uh, focus of, of this podcast. I'm recording this on the Monday, of course, uh, right after the glorious weekend sweep in Wrigley, all one-run games, the Saturday game being just a classic uh, that people will remember for years and years. And people are feeling pretty good in, in Cardinal Nation. Now, I still am uh, – those Brewers just won't go away. They keep winning. Of course, it doesn't help, doesn't hurt to be playing the Pirates. But uh, they keep winning. And so Cardinals still have some work to do over the next six games uh, to ensure the division championship. But uh, certainly just a – an amazing weekend um, and a lot of uh, big moments, I think, uh, related to my previous podcast on the playoff roster, the potential playoff roster. We did see a couple things over the weekend that may give us some hints, uh, just com- some footnotes, if you will, on that uh, previous podcast. I would say, number one, uh, Ron Hell Ravello looks to me after some of the things I saw this weekend to be on the roster. Uh, I think the key moment in Saturday's game with removing Dakota Hudson early in the ball game for a bases loaded opportunity. I mean, that's a moment there where the game could potentially hang in the balance uh, bases loaded. I think one out fourth inning. Uh, and at that moment, pulling to Hudson early, he, Shield goes with Ron Helvello, who, of course, delivered with a base hit, and then that led to a couple other runs in the inning. But that is uh, certainly an indicator that um, you know that 
that Ravello was more than likely going to be on that roster. And it's interesting in that when you, if you put both him and uh, Martinez on the roster, those are two very similar players and they don't necessarily give you a lot of versatility other than uh, the ability to put a, put a good at bat together late in the game. And that might be in a playoff uh, scenario that might be one of the, if not the most valuable assets. So you can see why uh, Ravello would be in strong consideration. The other thing that when I uh, footnote on the roster, I put John Gant, I sort of named him as a, as a definite uh, being on the playoff roster. And yeah, you know, when you see his recent performance, he just seems worn down by the season. Um, I've read some other bloggers and some other podcasters who have kind of woke me up to the idea that maybe John Gant's role isn't, uh, you know, in pen. Um, I, I haven't broken down the numbers to see what his performance is like over say the last, I don't know, you know, 20 outings or it, it may be horrible, but just, Kind of going my memory in the eye test, I, I still think John Gant offers you a solid relief option. He, in a, in a playoff scenario, you got to figure he can reach down and kind of get a bit extra. Uh, so I would put still have John Gant on my uh, roster. I think he he still is a guy that can go multiple innings if you needed to. And um, I don't know if it. You'd have to say, tell me who's it at the expense of if it's. It's Waka instead of John Gann. Is it, you know, is it Junior Fernandez instead of John Gann? Is it, you know, a third lefty? A crazy thought, perhaps, but Henesis Cabrera over John Gann as a third lefty. Now, um, so we'll have to wait and see. I mean, each game can bring uh, more things. Uh, with six games left, I mean, John Gant might get another opportunity or two here, and may you know look really strong, and then all of a sudden people feel differently. So, um, but those are just a couple of footnotes on the most uh, recent podcast. The thing I want to focus on today is kind of just a, just a fun exercise, uh, fun for me anyway. So I thought I would share my thoughts with you. It kind of, I want to project what the Cardinal roster might look like in five years. And that's kind of my topic of uh, conjecture today. It's a, before I even get too much further into it, I, I sort of want to just put a disclaimer out there that I think this is an incredibly difficult exercise. And, you know, as soon as I open up my mouth and make any statement or prediction about what the Cardinal franchise roster might look like five years from now, it, it, most of it's going to be wrong. I mean, uh, I just in thinking about this topic, I went back uh, five years prior to 2019. So this would be the 2014 season. So I'm going five seasons in reverse. And I tried before even looking just to predict, just to uh, name any players that were on that team that were still on this year's team. And it was only five, five of the, of the 25 man roster, um, or five of even the 40-man roster, potentially. I didn't check that, but five of the 25 
are still on the team. I actually only could name four before I looked. I was able to name Molina, Wong, Carpenter, and Wainwright. Of course, the one that I missed was Waka, which is silly of me to miss that, but he was also on that 2014 team. Uh, so five. So over the course of just five years, I mean, it's a roster turnover of 20 of the 25 players if you're talking about the 25-man roster. Even active players, there aren't that many that are even still active. If you go back five years, I mean, there's Matt Adams. I uh, think John Jay still played this year, although I believe he may have been hurt for a lot of the year. Um, Descalzo, Grichik, who only had about 110 at-bats on that team, but he's still active, of course. And uh, Greg Garcia, uh, Tommy Pham had two at-bats. Uh, Lance Lynn still active. Joe Kelly still active. Marco Gonzalez. Um, and that might be about it. Trevor Rosenthal, Nishek. Yeah, so there's still two of Alala. I think he's still active and pitched this year. So even in terms of active players, it's it's not there aren't that many. So to try to then accurately predict what the club might look like five years from now is a difficult exercise, although it's one that, that I'm going to try to attempt. I think that, I think the thing that gets me into this kind of conjecture is two things, actually. I think number one, I, I would say going back maybe four years, five years ago, I just started paying attention much more to uh, the Cardinal farm system. There was a long time in my life as a fan that, you know, I would hear about the top guys, you know, if you knew if there was a big time prospect coming down the pike, you would just hear about it uh, through just paying attention to the main sources of coverage for the big club. But it was every so often uh, and you'd hear a name and, but I never really dove into it the way I have the past four or five years. And now I, I pretty much read everything I can get my hands on when it comes to uh, prospect stuff. I mean, I listen to different podcasts uh, talking about prospects. There's a gentleman who writes for birds on the black website and also does a prospects uh, podcast called prospects after dark named Kyle Reese. He's probably, you know, somebody who I've really read a lot of and listened to a lot and, and taken a lot of information from. Uh, but, you know, I, I also try to glean my own opinion and my own thoughts and looking at some of these prospects and how they've, uh, how they're, they're trending and, and so on. So, in doing this, a um, couple of ground rules I'm going to kind of set for myself. And if you're listening along, and so you kind of uh, can think along with me or disagree or agree or whatever, I'm going to try to not make too many um, predictions about free agency. You know, when you look ahead five years, it's, it's possible uh, that the Cardinals may add some kind of free agent 
that would still be on the team five years from now, or they might add them, you know, two or three years from now, which would still put them on the team uh, five years from today. But it, it's just such a slippery slope to get into uh, when you try to start saying, oh, well, this this guy or this guy is going to be a free agent this year and the Cardinals should get him. He, uh, in, the, in this day and age of extensions, who knows if some of the guys scheduled for free agency would ever even make it to free agency. And then also, you know, it, it's a pretty big if as to as to if the Cardinals would even engage in a bidding war type of free agent and, and sign him. So I'm going to try to stay away from that a little bit, although I may in certain positions say something that along the lines of, well, they need to supplement this position by looking at free agency, you know, more of a, more of a positional need than a specific player. Um, I'm going to try to sort of make a a two tiered prediction, meaning I'll, I'll, say sort of what I think the most likely scenario is, but then also try to name a, uh, a second scenario as well. Um, so contracts will have to play a role a little bit. And um, I'm actually going to sort of uh, pause my recording right now when you hear me again, I'll be picking right back up. But before I dive into this, I want to make sure and do one more quick little look over the Cardinal contracts, Cardinal card, Cardinal, current Cardinal contract situation. Sorry about that. Um, before I continue on. So I'll be right back at you. Okay. So uh, I had a quick look. I had looked at this prior, but before I really started diving into this, I wanted to just uh, – have my contract information in front of me because that's important when you're talking about uh, projecting five years into the future. So what we would be talking about here is the 2024 season, uh, which would be five seasons from 2019, right? So you got 2020, 21, 22, 23. Uh, and so 24 would be five seasons from the current, uh, and one um, interesting thing to note, and I chose five years because it's kind of a nice uh, nice number to, to sort of project to, but also it does happen to be the last year of Paul Goldschmidt's contract, which kind of is a tidy little fit. Um, before, when I was mentioning that, the prospect, the getting into prospects and really diving into the prospect um, world has been part of my uh, kind of obsession with looking ahead into the future of Cardinal baseball. I find myself doing it quite often. The other thing is kind of a, uh, I guess, uh, a funny thing. I, I spend a lot of time with. Um, the, the, vid, the video game, MLB The Show. And, uh, boy, I put a lot of time into just simulating into the future different rosters, and I'll take different approaches with uh, running the Cardinals where sometimes I'll look to spend big and get free agents, other other simulations I'll run where I'll 
try to trade everybody off and, and build as many top prospects as I can, kind of a tank situation and see how long it takes me to, to kind of mature those great prospects I got in return. And it's, it's obviously a, you know, a video game, but it, it, there's a lot of realism built into the game and it's just fun and interesting. I find myself, uh, you know, playing around with different rosters quite often and, so doing that as well, where you can kind of virtually go five years into the future and actually have something play out, a scenarios play out. Uh, you see certain prospects that flourish and other prospects that kind of struggle. And yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. Uh, so both the prospect thing and then also playing so much of that game, I think as it, kind of has me um, of this mindset where I like to look ahead and see what the future might hold. So without any further setup, I'll start with the catching position. Now, I think it's pretty safe to say, even though the man is, uh, I don't think we have the best words even to describe him, but I think it's pretty safe to say that Yadier Molina will be no longer playing in the year 2024. Um, in fact, I think probably would be a better chance that he would be a Cardinal manager or at least, uh, a Cardinal coach, uh, would probably a better chance of that than him still playing. Uh, so you look at, there are two catching prospects. And, and when I say two, I think a lot of fans are certainly aware of, of one, uh, and then if you go back in time, I mean, you, you, you knew that Carson Kelly was kind of the heir apparent for a while. And now uh, Andrew Kisner is seen as the heir apparent. And I certainly like what I've seen of Kisner this year uh, at the big league level and what he's accomplished at AAA. If you look at his numbers, I can't say that I watch a lot of minor league baseball other than just seeing highlights from different Twitter accounts I follow that, you know, people who post highlights of minor league teams and players. And, uh, but he is a, I think definitely a major league hitter. The catching aspect I think is where he still has some room to grow. Um, but if you are projecting five years into the future, it's pretty easy to say or pretty easy to comfortably predict that Andrew Kisner would be the starting catcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. Now there is a, another lesser known prospect perhaps, but certainly uh, a very well thought of prospect and goes by the name of Ivan Herrera. And I believe I'm going to punch it up. As I talk here, I believe he is still only 19 years old. But this is a guy who uh, the Cardinal organization really likes. He shows uh, a plus bat in uh, and, and some of the same ways that Kisner does. Uh, the defense is, is slightly behind in terms of the projections from his, his bat. But he is uh, a guy that the Cardinal organization likes. If I look at uh, MLB's rankings, which there are many out there, 
not all certainly the same and they have different opinions. But if I look at MLB's rankings, Kisner is the Cardinals' third-rated prospect, and Ivan Herrera is right behind him as the sixth-rated prospect in the Cardinal organization. He's 19. So, again, this five-year projection concept, when you look at him uh, five years from now, you're talking about a 24-year-old, more mature young man, perhaps ready to handle the big leagues. And if he is as good as some of the projections, you know, it could be a toss-up between he and Kisner as to who would end up being ultimately the best player. It's nice to have those up-and-coming catching prospects. So for the catching position, I would predict it would be those two, perhaps both on the same team even, uh, or one of those two winning out and perhaps the other moving on uh, somewhere else. There is another catcher within the Cardinal top 30 prospects in the organization, and sitting at 11 is a guy named Julio Rodriguez. Now, he's a bit more of a defensive catcher, has a very good defensive reputation, not as much of a hitting prospect as Herrera or, of course, Kisner. So you could see a scenario where, you know, somehow either Herrera or Kisner wins out as the starter uh, with Rodriguez being more of a – have more of a backup kind of profile. Uh, So – I think in terms of catcher, the, the answers are within the organization. I think you'd see uh, one of those two guys starting and then either backing each other up or potentially the Julio Rodriguez being a backup uh, profile for the future. So moving to first base, so I already mentioned Paul Goldschmidt. It's the final year of his contract in 2024. I... Uh, You hope that at that time he's still productive and healthy. Uh, I don't mean in this podcast to get into an in-depth analysis of Paul Goldschmidt's season, but, you know, I think what I'll say here for this purpose is that projecting five years from now that Goldschmidt is still – an everyday caliber player that you just stick in there 140, 150 ball games a season and just expect to have numbers that uh, could be a little bit of a shaky preposition. Now um, we'll see what year two and beyond brings for Paul Goldschmidt. I think it's safe to say he's the starting first baseman in 2024. I don't see that really changing, but whether or not he's going to be, you know, what kind of player will he be at that point, I think is a little bit still up in the air for certain. Um, I mentioned in each position I would kind of talk about a backup plan. There's a very good prospect uh, who had decent numbers this year at the A level, the Palm Beach, which is a notoriously difficult league for hitters, but he still had numbers somewhat uh, somewhat relatable to what Dylan Carlson did at the same level. 
And I'd be very interested to see how this guy does at double A, if that's where he is indeed placed next year, at double A Springfield. And I'm talking about Luke and Baker. He was a, I think, second round or supplemental round pick uh, 2018 draft and a big hulking guy out of TCU. Uh, has a line drive bat. You read some things on him and they talk about how he's kind of a line drive hitter who will occasionally run into a home run. Despite his size, he's not kind of a guy that just looks to mash and blast home runs all the time. Uh, but he's a, he's the 26th ranked prospect in the system. Again, that's when I mentioned rankings, I'm referring to MLB pipeline, MLB.com. But he is a guy that, you know, you could potentially see uh, down the road, um, if Goldschmidt were to be injured uh, or something else were to happen, uh, Luke and Baker is a prospect that would potentially still be in the system at that point and could could be a contributor. Second base. So Colton Wong uh, in 2024, the Cardinals would hold – Sorry, I'm looking at. I was looking at Dion. Uh, Wong would become a free agent after 2021. In 2021, the Cardinals have a 12 and a half million dollar team option. Uh, after which, so in 2022, he could potentially become a free agent. Um, so I guess with Colton Wong. It's, I would say it's very much up in the air as to whether or not in 2024 he would still be a Cardinal. I think it can go one of two ways. Uh, if he continues to play like he has in the second half of 2019, the Cardinals would likely approach him and look to extend him somewhat maybe like they've done for Matt Carpenter. Now that's... <laughs> With, maybe that's not a great example because we see how that is potentially working out. But um, in 2021, uh, Wong will be 30 when he enters free agency, going on 31. So you kind of have to would have to consider that as well. So by the year 2024, uh, Wong is going to be oh. 33 years old. And so for, you know, a smaller guy who uses his legs, who uses his athleticism, how much of that will still be around? You know, it's maybe a question. But kind of getting back to, I still think it comes down to performance. You know, if Wong, let's say, establishes himself over the next three years, four years, as being one of the, if not the top second baseman in all the league, like he's done the second half, well, then it could very well be that the Cardinals don't approach him and don't let him get to free agency and extend his contract out so that in 2024 he could still be the starting second baseman. Um, you could see it going a few ways. Now, the, on the performance level, if Wong were to, let's say, go back into a, a dip and where all of a sudden next year starts and he's – 
you know, it's in June or July and he's hitting 220 or 230 and not, you know, not uh, taking those great at-bats that he's been taking in recent months. Well, then you start to kind of go back to a scenario where it's like, what, what are we expecting from this guy long-term? And is this a, a guy that we want to continue to um, rely on? And so in that scenario, if he's not performing, if he stays inconsistent, then, I mean, he could be traded before 2021 when he becomes a free agent or in 2021, uh, he would be allowed to test free agency. I've been saying 21. I think it's 22, actually, when he becomes a free agent. So it would be after the 21 season where you could see, you know, if he still is with the Cardinals and but is still a little bit inconsistent, the Cardinals could potentially move on. Now there's even another scenario where you kind of look at where Wong is performing. He's doing well. He's an everyday player all the way through 2021. But, you know, you'd have to kind of, he'd be 32, 33 years old. And you could see a scenario where the Cardinals would not want to commit, uh, especially you know, larger dollars, to a middle infielder or second baseman at that stage of his career. And there may be other guys coming up at that point that maybe are a little less expensive. Maybe you have a need to spend money in other positions. And so you go a bit cheaper at second base. The possibilities are endless. The, the guy, if I'm going to name one person, who could be a factor here is a guy we know well, which is Tommy Edmond. Now, you know, if you know, this sticking with the scenario that 2021 ends and Colton Wong is allowed to be a free agent and Tommy Edmond has continued to do Tommy Edmond things as maybe a, a utility player or a platoon player at different positions over the course of those years, as, as I see Tommy Edmond as, his best role right now being kind of a super sub, you know, guy that'll play four or five times a week, playing third, short, second, outfield even occasionally. Although I don't love him in the outfield, like like most of uh, Cardinal Twitter, Cardinal Nation. But Tommy Edmonds, a guy where you know, if if he continues to do what he's done, that could be a year where you say, you know what, uh, we'll let. We'll let Wong walk and hand over the second base uh, helm to a guy like Tommy Edmond, who would at that point still be much cheaper than Wong would be to sign as a free agent, but could potentially still give you a lot of the same things Wong does. And a lot of it will depend on what other needs you have, what other money needs to be spent. So just to – that's a a bit of a longer second base analysis, but I would – predict that uh, Wong continues his good play, gets an extension, and is still the Cardinals' second baseman in 2024, or uh, Tommy Edmond. I'll I'll go with that name, even though there are scenarios where it could be uh, a a number of other different names as well. So, all right. Moving to third base then. So, third base – I think you have to begin with 
Matt Carpenter would be long gone by the year 2024, if not even you know, retired as a player. Um, you're talking he would be, I guess, 37, 38 years old. And I doubt very seriously if he would still be a Cardinal, except as maybe a left-handed bench bat that, you know, accepted that role and knew that was his role and, and so on. Um, so then you really have to move to a very, very rich area in the Cardinal farm system. And really, I think it's difficult to predict which one of three guys would be the third baseman in 2024. But if it wasn't one of these three, I would be surprised. So we'll go in order most likely to least likely. The most likely would be the Cardinals' number two overall prospect in their system, their first-round draft choice in 2018, Nolan Gorman. Now, Nolan Gorman was has prodigious power from the left side. Some scouts have graded him out as a, as a 70 or even 80 level power, which is if you go by the scouting grades, that's a considered elite level power. And when we say elite, we're talking about at the big league level, you know, potentially elite. And he had a, a very, very impressive first year of pro ball uh, coming out of the draft and just tore up the lower level pitching. This past year, uh, he he's another one like Luke and Baker, like Dylan Carlson last year, who spent a lot of time at, at Palm Beach high A ball, which again is a, is a tough offensive league to put up numbers. Uh, he also had about half of his half of his at bats at Peoria, but still on the year between those two levels, he hit 15 homers, hit 248. Strikeout rate is high, uh, but the guy certainly uh, he's still only 19 years old. He's another one to add to the list that could potentially be at double-A Springfield this next uh, minor league season, which is where Carlson made his jump this year. And I'll be very interested to see how he does. But to say that Nolan Gorman will be the Cardinal third baseman in 2024 is not a very big stretch. I mean, if he turns into, you know, a guy that is going to hit 30 to 35, 40 home runs, even if he's striking out and only hitting 250, 260, I mean, that's a guy that you still want in your lineup that you want on your team. Uh, I haven't read a whole lot about how he is as a defender. I've read a lot, but it, it, the, the returns are kind of mixed. Uh, I think there's a belief that he could certainly stay there. Uh, the other two guys I'm going to mention, I think there's a bit more concern about the, whether or not that they can ultimately stay at third base. But, you know, he's uh, – I think the type of defender he will be is still kind of to be determined uh, as teams look at him or as, as scouts project him into the future. Um, the other two 
So the next, I guess, likely would be uh, a prospect named Elahuris Montero. Now, I'm probably messing up his first name. Uh, I think I've heard it spoken. I think I've probably even heard it said a few different ways. But uh, let's just, for moving forward, I'm going to call him Montero. But Montero is another highly rated prospect within the system. He is the the fourth rated prospect in the system. Uh, And two years ago, he was the MVP of uh, A-ball, Peoria's league. I believe it's uh, the Appalachian League, although I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I'm not completely sure, but Peoria's uh, league that he played in, he was the MVP of of that of that league last year, and uh, a guy that analysts of and scouts see as a very dynamic hitter, a guy that is not just a home run hitter. So where Gorman is kind of profiles as a big time power guy, then. Montero is some somebody that looks teams look at or scouts look at as more of a guy that capable of hitting around you know 300 with also the power mixed in, but you know maybe not quite as at the level of a Gorman. Now this past year though was a, a disaster for him injury wise. He was hurt most of the 2019 minor league season. He ended up only with uh, about 237 at bats uh, total, and of the of the at bats he did get at Springfield, you know, he received over 200 at bats at Springfield, uh, spread out over a couple of injuries, but still he hit only 188 in in that uh, in that time with those at bats. So uh, he's a bit of you know, moving forward into, into 2020, it's a bit difficult to, to predict exactly you know, what his future looks like. Now, I do think that in his case, there's a bit more of uh, a belief that he may not be able to handle third base long term, that he may have to move to first base, which, uh, of course, we've already talked about how you know Paul Goldschmidt would still be handling that position in 2024. But you can certainly see scenarios um, where Montero just outplays a guy like Gorman. Uh, so many things could happen. Gorman could get hurt. Gorman could be uh, traded in, in some kind of blockbuster big-time trade where the Cardinals go after some kind of elite talent and they they use Gorman as, as a trade piece. Um, but, you know, certainly – uh, a year from now, it would be interesting to kind of see after another minor league season where Montero and Gorman kind of rank. Uh, it would be very interesting because I would say it's it's a huge year for both of them. Montero will be 22, um, or actually still 21 for a lot of the season. Gorman will be 20. And so – to look at their numbers, their minor league numbers, not just the numbers, but just kind of the, the scouting reports as, as well, to look at those uh, next September 
could be a very good indicator as to which one of them is on the faster track to being the everyday third baseman in St. Louis. So in 2024, there is a third option. There is a third potential guy. And this was an international signing that the Cardinals made last year, 16th ranked prospect in their system, a guy by the name of Malcolm Nunez. And uh, Nunez is another very highly thought of prospect. He just tore up a Dominican summer league, but uh, it has tremendous tools, tremendous hit tool. Uh, Another guy who not only has power potential, but also the potential to hit for high average. Uh, Now he's another guy that questions about whether he'll be able to stick at third base He's a pretty thick body um, and how well he'll kind of move around at third base in the future is a bit of a question mark, but certainly a very high level, high, highly rated prospect, highly thought of prospect. And we'll have to see much like, much like Carlson and and Montero, uh, what his projection looks like at the end of next year. Um, be very, very interested to see kind of how those three third basemen compare to one another and what their futures like look like moving forward, you know, or if all of them will even be in the system still, there's always the possibility of a trade. Um, so I'm coming up on a 30 minute, which is what I'm allowed on the anchor podcasting that I use. And then you have to kind of graft the episodes together. So I'm going to take another break. Uh, which is a good timing because we'll move to the outfield, which, my gosh, if you look at recent history, uh, the Cardinals, uh, anything is possible when you try to project into the future of the Cardinal outfield. So um, you'll hear me right back at you, but I'll be taking a, a short break here. and We'll get into the projecting the outfield. Okay, so I'm back at it, and, of course, I'm smacking my forehead as soon as I took a pause because – I said, we'll move on to the outfield. I didn't even talk about the shortstop position. So, uh, silly me. And uh, let's look at it. So, Paul DeYoung would still be under contract in 2024. It would be the last of the – no, sorry. It would be – he would still – would be the second to last. Excuse me. The Cardinals hold, let me restate this. In 2024, the Cardinals hold a $12.5 million team option on Paul DeYoung. And in 2025, that option becomes a $15 million option. So um, he would still be under contract is, is the point. Uh, and at a reasonable price. It's Paul DeYoung is an interesting, uh, it's an interesting case. Because you could just look at the fact of, okay, shortstop who handles the position well, is steady, solid. Oh, and by the way, can hit you 30 home runs. Well, if you take kind of everything else out of it, uh, you'd be clamoring for that kind of player. His... Extreme dips, though, 
do make it frustrating sometimes to to fully invest in Paul DeYoung as the Cardinal shortstop for the next, you know, five to seven to ten years. The the slumps and the ups and downs are so extreme that you really would like to see him kind of, you know, in the next year or two as he matures as a player uh, that he can you know, eliminate some of that streakiness and, and become a bit more consistent. But it's not hard to imagine that he would be, uh, you know, the, would still be the Cardinal shortstop in 2024. It's it's probably the, the most likely scenario. And uh, now the thing about Paul DeYoung, though, the, the, the caveat is that you could see if a shortstop were, were to become available um, by trade or by in free agency, you know, a big-time guy who, against all odds, the Cardinals were to get. Let's – this will be my first crazy name to throw out there. Let's say the Cardinals signed Francisco Lindor, which it's not going to happen, but let's say they did. Paul DeYoung is a guy that could move around. I mean, most his minor league career before he moved to short, he was the third baseman, so you could see him moving there. Uh, any infielder that can handle being an everyday shortstop in the big league should also be able to handle being a second baseman or, or even a first baseman for that matter. So Paul DeYoung uh, is a, you know, you could see him potentially moving to some other position while still being on the Cardinal roster. Uh, but again, the most likely scenario would be to have him uh, still as the Cardinal shortstop. I just hope that he can put together, or get rid of some of that inconsistency. The minor leaguer that I would um, mention here, there, there's of course a few different shortstops in the minor league system uh, who, you can see five years from now maybe being a factor. Uh, there's Tommy Edmond, who you know can play short. We've already mentioned him. Edmundo Sosa has been a prospect for what seems like four or five years now, but he's actually just come off of his best offensive year at AAA Memphis this past season, and he's also um, you know a very good defender. So there's his potential ability. Uh, the guy though, that I would highlight if I, within the Cardinal system currently is a prospect named Mateo Gill. He is the son of a former major leaguer, Benji Gill. And uh, only 19 years old. There's a lot to like about his profile and what he's done uh, this season. He earned a late uh, promotion for only six at-bats, but it's kind of a symbolic thing to the high A level this year. At Johnson City, he had 270 at seven home runs uh, and only 204 at-bats. So he profiles to be able to stay at the shortstop position. He's not a guy that scouts think will have to move off of that position. He's got good hands, good arm, uh, and then the, the bat – which, you know, of course, will 
decide ultimately how far he goes. Um, but I would say he's a name to keep an eye on, you know, five years from now. If he continues to progress and become an elite-level prospect, he could be a factor. Um, I will mention the name of Delvin Perez. I think a lot of uh, folks who follow Cardinal prospects have kind of soured on him. He hasn't. He was a first-round draft pick who just hasn't really fully gotten traction as a minor leaguer. Uh, hits for virtually no power. Is a very good defensive player. He runs well. But uh, given what he's accomplished so far as a minor leaguer, you, it's hard to project him as being a member of the big league club in 2024. So quick recap of the primary and secondary options in the infield. So a catcher, said Kisner with Herrera. Also threw in the name Rodriguez. First base Goldschmidt with the name of Baker. Uh, second base was Wong uh, or Tommy Edmond. Shortstop, DeYoung, uh, threw the name Gill out there. And I did mention at the shortstop position, uh, a free agent acquisition could move DeYoung off to a different spot. And then at third base, uh, I think Gorman, I'm not sure if I stated this directly, I think Gorman is the most likely guy to be the everyday third baseman in 2024. And I'll say Montero is uh, the second most likely, uh, even though I think Nunez is another guy that you, you could easily see being uh, a factor there. So now we're ready to move to the outfield and I haven't even gotten into pitching yet. So this is, this may end up being a long podcast. Uh, I think I'll just kind of put everything into one, though. And uh, if you decide to listen, you can come back and listen in bits and pieces. That's that's what I do with podcasts. You know, I do listen to a lot of different podcasts, not even not only just Cardinal Baseball Kingdom, but also a few of them. Like one I listen to, I think I've mentioned on other podcasts, is the Joe Rogan Experience. And he often has you know, an out, a guest on for two and a half, three hours. And so what I've kind of, at first it kind of bothered me. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I can't sit here and listen to the whole thing. But then I just sort of, you know, sectioning them off. I'll listen for 30 minutes. I might even let a day go by and then let's, you know, go back and listen for another 30 or 40 minutes. And over the course of three or four days, you know, I end up listening to the whole podcast or, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll move on and not listen to the whole thing. But, so if this ends up being a long, my longest episode, I'll just uh, stick with it and, and uh, you can you know, take breaks and listen to a bit and come back to it at a later time. The outfield, my gosh, uh, where to even begin? Uh, because recent activity in the outfield has been kind of just crazy. Uh, if you go back even two years, kind of the way people would have predicted and thought of the Cardinal outfield has completely changed when you think about guys that have gone like Tommy Pham and Gritchick and Piscotti, who have all uh, you know left the organization. But if I was doing this podcast two years ago and was trying to make these same predictions, uh, those are you know probably names I would have talked about a lot. So 
uh, we're back to this idea that this is really a difficult thing to do, but doesn't make doesn't mean it's not fun. Um, so in the outfield, we'll assume that Marcelo Zuna is is going to be allowed to leave as a free agent. If the Cardinals were to sign him, I mean, you could see it being like a, a five-year deal or a four-year deal, which would, you know, still um, a five-year deal would still put him on the Cardinal roster in 2024. But, you know, just saying that out loud kind of makes you wonder if giving him a, a long-term free agent contract is definitely the right thing to do because I, I love – I like – I won't say I love. I like Marcelo Zuna. Uh, he's been a much more dangerous hitter this year than he was last. Uh, I think he's healthier. But uh, what will he be like five years from now? You know, there, there does seem to be maybe a little bit of a shoulder history if that were to come back. Uh, yeah, so anyway, I'm going to assume that the Cardinals aren't going to sign him. That's kind of seems the way that this thing is going. Uh so we're going to eliminate the possibility that he would be on the roster. Um, a lot of the – so – and then there's Fowler. So Dexter Fowler would be a free agent after the year 2021. And so almost certainly at that point the Cardinals would, would allow him to perhaps sign on with another team. Uh it's hard to imagine a scenario where he would still be with the Cardinals in 2024. So we eliminate him as well. So that's two of the current Cardinal starters who, who would not be a part of this conversation. Now, uh, Harrison Bader would still be in his uh, final no, actually, his final year of arbitration would be 2023 for Bader. So 2024, if the Cardinals were to not extend him, uh, he would be a free agent uh, that year, 2024. So um, you could toss a coin up in the air a hundred times, and I, I don't know. I think it'd be about as good of a prediction that's – I think Harrison Bader is probably a fourth outfielder, ideally. Uh, and if he's in that role and if he accepts that role and the Cardinals actually just realize that that's, that's his best fit, I could see him being on the Cardinal roster five years from now uh, as a fourth outfielder where – a guy that can obviously go in and play very good defense, can get starts against lefties, you know, can can fill in if you get the guy injured, uh, you know, with all the things that, that extra outfielders do. I don't currently see him profiling five years from now as the starting center fielder for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, so I think there's just too many factors in the way, his inconsistencies, other guys in the system – uh, you know, even the contract thing, because to be on the team five years from now, the Cardinals would have would have had to extend him at some point, and I don't know if that extension would be coming anytime soon after his uh, very 
uneven offensive year this year. So I'm actually going to start from the premise that none of the current starting three outfielders would be starting outfielders in 2024. So either Ozuna, Bader, or Fowler. So that kind of opens it up to a lot of speculation. I think certainly if you, you know, when you talk about the outfield, of course, you talk about three different positions. It isn't like third base or shortstop or where only one guy can play there. Even obviously you can have three different outfielders and you know, many outfielders can sometimes play, you know, may play multiple positions. So, but three brand new outfielders, if that's the premise I'm operating from, it's uh leaves a lot of possibilities. I mean, one again, I said I wasn't gonna get into specific free agents, but uh certainly it does kind of the mind uh kind of wanders and you you do think about the potential of a free agent bat coming in out for the outfield as somebody that could uh you know come in and, and supplement be a part of the, the ball club in, in five years. But, again, I'm not even going to say any names because who knows. But let's just say that free agency could be a factor in the outfield. I think that's safe to say. Uh, now, as far as other guys on the roster or in the minor leagues, I think it would be pretty safe prediction to say that Dylan Carlson – is one of those starting outfielders in in 2024. Uh, Carlson, I'm sure you know the name, number one rated overall prospect in the system. I think he's moved up within the top 50 even of, of all of baseball in terms of the prospect lists. Um, he can play all three outfield positions, so I mean, I wouldn't even try to predict which one he would be in at that at that point down the road, but he can play center, right, left. From what I understand, he's ideally a right fielder because he has pretty good range, but then he also has a very strong throwing arm. He may not have quite the speed and tracking ability you would ideally want in a center fielder. So let's just say he's a right fielder. But uh, Carlson is you know, one of the more highly rated prospects to come around in recent years, switch hitter, power. They say he has an amazing IQ for the game, amazing approach. And uh, so he would be certainly a, a very likely candidate to be one of your outfielders. You know, then you start getting into what's just kind of – I mean, I would eliminate Jose Martinez five years from now. I don't see him being around. Uh, you've got all these prospects, and you, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, but there are a number of additional prospects you could see uh, by the year 2024 being a part of things. So because there's so many, I, I'm going to try not to go too, too deep into any one of them because I do want to uh, get to some thoughts on the pitching staff. But seventh-ranked Cardinal prospect is a guy named John Torres. Came over in an Oscar Mercado deal. 
very raw, but yet very good prospect. Five years from now, who knows what he'll be. Randy Rosarina. Okay, we know the name. Had a huge year this year at the minor leagues. Probably has proven about all that he can at the minor leagues. So you would see him very likely as a big league player next year. Um, and then what does he do and what does he – how does he run with that? Justin Williams is another outfielder, 15th-rated prospect in the organization. The Tommy Pham deal came over. Uh, kind of a guy that wasn't really – people weren't really talking about him that much, and then he went on a tear sort of down the stretch. He changed his swing a little bit. And, um, you know, so at Memphis – in 102 at-bats, he had 350 with seven home runs. The left-handed bat and a guy that can't just be dismissed. Um, then you, you start going further down. I mean, the Cardinals' first-round draft choice this past year, uh, Trajan Fletcher. So this is a high school outfielder uh, and – was Cardinals gave him above slot in order to lure him away from signing uh, at a university. And uh, very, again, another very raw, I mean, it's an 18 year old kid we're talking about here, but projects to have uh, power and speed uh, as, as an outfielder, uh, good arm as a, as a pitcher, they, he was clocked at 93 miles an hour. So this guy has all the tools, but who knows what he'll be five years from now. Um, Connor Capel, another pro outfield prospect in the top 30. And uh, then, you know, you have – a guy who's no longer on the prospect list, but there's Lane Thomas, who the Cardinals saw, Cardinal fans saw this year up with uh, the big club for a while, and he has a lot of exciting tools. So how do you begin to sort through all that, plus the possibility of uh, free agents being uh, added to the mix? Some of those guys I named will almost certainly be traded even as soon as this offseason, as the, as the Cardinals look to improve their roster, outfielders are, is something they have in abundance and talented outfielders at that. So you can see some of those names being sent away in deals. So the idea of saying, you know, what the starting outfield would be is extremely difficult. I'm going to – for purposes of what I'm trying to do here, I'm going to say Carlson. I'm going to say a Rosarina. And then I'm going to say the third one is not somebody that I think a free agent signing. I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to say somewhere in the outfield, the Cardinals are going to target an outfield free agent that they're going to bring in. Uh, probably somebody with a big bat because you, know, you look, the Cardinals are going to need – to add bats. Um, I mean, that sounds like probably a very obvious statement, but you're going to lose Ozuna and uh, Goldschmidt. 
We already said we don't know what he might be able to produce at that point in his career. So certainly um, an outfield bat as a free agent isn't too far of a stretch. So I'm going to predict that the third outfielder would be somebody that the Cardinals would sign as a free agent. Okay. Well, we've made it through the position players looking ahead to five years into the future. I'm not sure we've learned anything more than what we knew, but for me, it's, it's fun to talk about. I hope for you, it's interesting to listen along and perhaps uh, agree or disagree or have your own thoughts. Um, to get into the pitching, uh, we look at the rotation as it currently stands. Um, two of the current five rotation members would profile to have a pretty good possibility to still be in the rotation five years from now. Jack Flaherty and Dakota Hudson. Certainly uh, it's not, that's a pretty safe bet. Although with pitchers, you always have to, you know, throw out the the caveat of, of arm injury. You know, you just never know if a guy is going to hold up, if he has an arm that's going to hold up, or a guy that's going to uh, flame out. It's, more, it's just kind of the nature of the pitching business these days. Even uh, the guys that go on to pitch for a long time, it feels like at some point in their career, uh, many of them have to miss a year for Tommy John or some other type of arm injury. But uh, those two guys, you could see Kurt certainly you know, being a part of it. Wainwright would be long gone by then. Uh, Michaelis. Michaelis is signed through 2023. So in 24, he would be a free agent, which is the year we've targeted here, of course. Uh, I don't know. At that point, I guess he'd be 34, 35. I don't think the Cardinals would still have him unless – you know, unless he's still really pitching very well, and then they can bring him on a one-year or two-year deal, just sort of like they've done with Wainwright. But we'll say he's not on the roster by then for our uh, discussion here. So that leaves three starting rotation spots. Um, bullpens really get dicey. I mean, I don't even know how much time I want to spend on the bullpen in discussing this kind of future scenario. The bullpens just turn over so often. Um, you know, it's hard to really even imagine. Maybe, maybe you could say like a Giovanni Gallegos, if he could stay healthy, uh, is a guy that five years from now you could still see around. But Miller will be you know, more than likely retired. Gant, Brebbia, you know, you just, these are good guys, but journeyman types or, veteran types who I think five years from now, you, you know, I would not say that they would be, you know, in the rotation. Um, I'm sorry, in the bullpen. And then, you know, any of your, 
I guess, you know, you could maybe make a case that some of your younger guys who you've seen a little bit of could, could remain in the bullpen five years from now. You know, guys like Helsley, you can maybe see him being turned into a closer. Hennessy Cabrera maybe as a kind of an Andrew Miller shutdown type of lefty. You could maybe see make a case he'd still be in your bullpen, but I'm not going to go much too, you know, too deeper into the bullpen other than just to acknowledge that there are a few guys that could project into the future, but also to acknowledge that bullpens are just so volatile and so much turnover. So it's also a place where you see a lot of, you know, one-year deals, bringing in a guy who's a veteran who you, that can help you for one year. So, so that's really hard to predict what that'll look like too. So I'll kind of, I'm going to circle back to the rotation and just talk about those final three spots. And uh, I'm going to also take one last quick break for you. You'll hear me coming right back at you. But um, for myself, I'm going to take a break, get a drink of water because my voice is going a bit and just try to um, finish up talking about those last three rotation spots and then hopefully also attempt to put some kind of, uh, I don't know, some kind of final thought or final analysis into this thing. So uh, I'll be right back at you in just a moment. So as I come back to you, um, I have to explain a very unfortunate set of circumstances that occurred. I, um, had thought I had recorded the final, I think I had about 20 minutes or so, uh, segment to the podcast where I had, uh, examined the, the final three rotation spots and then kind of did a little bit of a, of a wrap up and somehow, uh, the audio did not save. And so then I actually did it again, but a bit more of an abbreviated version and then that time it was my error. The, the first time it was some kind of technical error, but the second time I didn't properly save the audio. And so this is now the third time I'm attempting to wrap this podcast up. And I had left uh, three rotation spots open, I believe, um, at the time in which I went to, to continue a new segment. And um, with with Flaherty and, and Hudson occupying the two. And uh, for those final three spots, uh, I'm, I'm again, I'm going to try to sort of summarize what I had said in that original wrap-up uh, segment because I feel like if I try to just like recreate exactly what I had said before, it's just going to kind of sound awkward and I'm going to, kind of be in my own head trying to um, trying to kind of say the same things. But the, the basic summary, um, I had, again, mentioned the free agency. I think starting pitching is an area in which, if not this offseason, uh, I think in the next couple, the Cardinals will have to address one of their rotation spots through free agency. Um, and so... I don't know. I mean, hopefully it's a guy like Garrett Cole. I think that's, I've tried not to use any specific names throughout the, this uh, speculation about the future, but 
he is a, a guy in the rotation that would look very nice. But anyway, I think we'll give one spot to a free agent to be named later. So that leaves two spots, and uh, you know, it's there's so many candidates at that point, and I ran through a number of them, um, but ended up settling on one, which probably wouldn't surprise too many, and then one that probably would. But the one that would not surprise people was the I went with the prediction of this year's first-round draft pick, Zach Thompson. Thompson is a... a a lefty with good stuff, had a great college career, you know, being he's a college pitcher, you could see him, you know, maybe not next year, but uh, 2000, by 2021, you could see him perhaps, uh, you know, making a big league debut at some point. And then from there, the idea that he would be in a rotation as a lefty with the kind of stuff he has is, uh, I think, you know, a fairly safe prediction given all of the different factors and things that can happen. So I went with him uh, as a prediction. The the final one, and again, I ran through Johanna uh, Vado, uh, who's a you know, t- Cardinal Farm System, uh, uh, Angel Rondon, uh, a couple of this year's draft picks, Tony Losey and, Jake Woodford, another name, a guy that had a you know, pretty good year at AAA this year, never got the call, but was was very solid. But I ended up settling on a name that probably uh, was a little out of the ordinary, but uh, Tommy Parsons. And Tommy Parsons is uh, a guy who kind of burst on the scene this year, on the minor league scene. He... Uh, is a kind of a pitch maker, uh, not really going to throw the ball by you or overpower you, but has uh, four good pitches. He'll throw for strikes, good command. And and the reason I kind of settled on him is when I think about this, you know, mythical future rotation, you're going to be paying Flaherty a lot of money by then. Hudson, similarly, uh, the free agent mention that I made is probably a guy you're going to have to pay. Of course. Um, now, Zach Thompson wouldn't be making that much money by then, but uh, Parsons, for me, would kind of fit a profile of a guy that would be sort of a true like a fifth starter, a guy that you kind of just can count on to go out and give you five or six solid innings, keep you in the game, not you know be dominant, but, but not go out there and get beat around either. Um, so just in, in considering... Uh, Parsons, I, I kind of went with this idea of of a fifth starter, what you would need out of him, what the, what kind of you would look like, what profile you would expect. And so the name that kind of popped into my mind was Tommy Parsons. So that would be my fifth uh, starter. But, again, you could go a lot of different directions with that. So – a quick recap uh, of your 2024 opening day Cardinal roster is uh, Kisner uh, behind the plate with Goldschmidt making his uh, doing his final year of his contract with Colton Wong, uh, 
with Edmund hopefully still being kind of a secret weapon, playing all over the place, getting a lot of uh, at-bats. DeYoung, still at short. And uh, Gorman at third base. In the outfield, we said Dylan Carlson, uh, a Rosarina, and then a free agent acquisition. Uh, Rosarina, I, I kind of glossed over him at the time when I named him, but I think the reason I picked him to stick around over so many of the other possibilities, O'Neill and Lane Thomas, and of course, uh, there's there's certainly even more, but um, Rosarina just has the everything I read about him, uh, everything you kind of see about him. He, he just seems like a professional hitter, one of those big leaguers who goes up there day in and day out and delivers professional at-bats. You know, I see him at maybe 280 to 310 type of hitter with good speed, you know, a bit of pop, 15 homer type pop. Um, and just a guy that uh, those kind of guys just tend to stick around in the league for a long time. And so I, I see him, uh, you know, not being a guy who's going to be prone to those uh, huge spikes in strikeout rate or the these elongated slumps. Um, I just think he's a steady, consistent force that uh, would kind of get some traction and, and uh, play for several years as a regular. So that's that's why I chose him. Uh, so, yeah, you'd have a Rosarina, Carlson, and a free agent, hopefully somebody with a monster bat. Uh, but now um, with all the – oh, and then uh, – just to recap quickly, the pitching staff, we said uh, Flaherty, Hudson, um, and then uh, a free agent uh, mixed in there with Zach Thompson and uh, Parsons. Now, uh, you know, when we start getting into the bullpen, and I, I explained this already, but it gets really tough to kind of start. But, you know, you we did mention like Helsley, Hennessy Cabrera, as two names. Uh, so just to kind of wrap this all up and recap. Um, well, first, just a random PS thought. Uh, I just realized and noticed that I'd never mentioned Alex Reyes's name. Well, to me, I kind of look at Alex Reyes at this point like a lottery ticket. You know, you're very, very, very likely not to win. If you do, you'd be ecstatic, but it's likely a loser. That's just sort of the way I look at him and his situation right now. And it's no no knock against the young man, but he just doesn't seem to appear to be able to stay healthy. And uh, throwing a baseball 100 miles an hour is not a natural act, and, and I think some – Guys just maybe don't have uh, the ability to do so on a consistent basis without injuring themselves. And I I really, really hope that I'm wrong about that. I really do. Uh, but, yeah, so um, to, to recap or to kind of bring this to a close, 
I think uh, a couple things. Um, well, let me add one more PS. Some guys who might be on the roster in 2024 aren't even drafted yet. I mean, you know, so you could see, you know, an early round draft pick in next year's draft or even 2021, uh, heck, even 2022, maybe guys that you would pick in those drafts. I mean, certainly uh, if if it's the right guy or if it's a, a right situation, I mean, you could have a guy that would vault to the big leagues in just uh, two or three years. But obviously, we, you know, we don't have any of those names. We don't know who those people would be, so it's, it's hard to include them. But certainly uh, it's, it's possible that in, in reality you could have someone that's not even – currently signed by the Cardinals to be uh, in the mix five years from now. Um, it's it's an incredibly uh, guesswork in what I've just tried to do. I had fun with it. I hope if you've listened along and maybe you gained some knowledge or had some disagreement or agreement or uh, maybe in your own mind, um, if it kind of prompted you to sort of go through the same exercise and look ahead, I hope um, I hope that's the case, but uh, you know, probably if I were to go back and listen to this in five years, I'm sure that I'll be very wrong in a number of different categories, but again, I enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed listening. I'm going to uh, continue to produce content. I'm really enjoying doing these podcasts. I, I don't have, uh, you know, I think for each of the ones I've done, i I think I you know, see something like 20 or 25 people who have uh, listened to it, and probably several of those are family members. But, you know, hopefully little by little, um, if people enjoy what they're hearing, it'll grow a bit. And uh, I do want to kind of diversify and start to bring in some additional people to talk baseball and Cardinal baseball with me. So that's kind of something I hope to do coming up. You're just sort of talking to myself. Um, I think it'd be better if at times, maybe not every time, but if I can have uh, someone, a guest to play off of. I have some thoughts and some deals in the works with uh, uh, some friends of mine who really know baseball and my brother um, as well. But uh, I also just want to mention, if you're listening to this and you happen to be a, a Cardinal blogger or um, – another podcaster or just a Cardinal fan and feel like you'd be interested in maybe, you know, chatting about the Cardinals in a, in a way that would be recorded for a show. Uh, please um, feel free to contact me, you know, directly through Twitter or Facebook. I'd be happy to, to explore the possibilities. I, like I said, I really think it'd be something that I'd like to do and kind of add a little bit of a different flavor to, these podcasts. So um, I hope you, again, uh, hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed uh, talking about this. And um, until next time.